the halls of power in Washington, D.C. Now that the pandemic has the planet on its knees, combined with the embargo since they tightened up the screws, they see something flammable, they want to light a fuse. The Empire can't pass up a chance to undermine and pursue their imperial designs. Los Estados Unidos se claim el país elegido por Dios para acabar con el mundo en nombre de la libertad. The halls of power in Washington, D.C. To the collapsing buildings on the shores of Miami. You can see them on the TV, the crusaders of the North. Talking from the tent camps about bringing freedom forth. From the land where there's a massacre each and every day Listen to the president say Los Estados Unidos se creen El país elegido por Dios Para acabar con el mundo En nombre de la libertad the halls of power in Washington, D.C. In the wake of all the blood they have spilled across the sea and across the very nation they claim is so free where one in four children each night go to bed hungry. The riot police are rioting here Somewhere every night But other people need more rights Los Estados Unidos se creen El país elegido por Dios Para acabar con el mundo En nombre de la libertad in the name of freedom. From the album Mayday, that was David Rovix with In the Name of Freedom. Welcome to Polyrical, a podcast on political music, a topical solution for the political revolution, a soundtrack for the resistors, the agitators, and the fighters working for a better world. If you want to make a recommendation or send me a message, head over to polyrical.com find a link there to send an email. You'll also find a link there to recommend a song, a topic, or an artist for a future episode. There's some links there as well to make a donation to keep this podcast free and independent. Speaking of donations, Adim the Artist is preparing to create a new album, and they need a dollar. If you have a dollar, think about donating it to Adim the Artist so they can make their new album. When Adim started pitching the new album on Twitter and probably elsewhere, I looked back at my prior episodes to find out which episode did I feature Adim on 
and I realized, holy shit, I've never featured a deem. So uh, that will be rectified in the future. In the meantime, you can find Adim on Twitter at Adim the Artist. Find out how to make a donation. From their most recent album, Cast Iron Pansexual, this is Adim the Artist with Reclaim My Name. is a boy in the yard playing cars I wore loose fitting clothes still feel that obsolete joy when the weather got hotter we got out the water hose I wore my shirt in the pool back then I was afraid to be seen I've been trying to build a machine that can convert shame into celebration. I'll go back in time and reclaim my name. I remember myself as a teen would just stand near the band with my hands towards the sky embarrassed of everything lucky for love received from an invisible guy stained by generational sin i did not deserve good things i've been trying to build a machine that can convert shame into celebration I'll go back in time and reclaim my name I've been collecting spare parts from old cars that are long since out of operation Scraps of old steel, frames of used wheels that feel tired of personification. I'm trying to build a machine that can convert shame into celebration. still Kyle The kids called me cow, even now I grind teeth Grandma said that I looked fat From her perch on the porch, looking side-eyed at me I wish I could visit that memory now Give him a set of the keys to a makeshift and duct-taped machine That can convert shame into celebration We could dance to the music it screams In a cacophonic orchestration 
go back in time and reclaim my name go back in time and reclaim my name Sometimes I need that machine. I think many of us sometimes are looking for that machine. That'll bring us to our topic of the episode. The topic of the episode is losing. And uh, loss comes in all kinds of ways. There's personal losses that we feel, but then there's also the losses of trying to achieve something not quite getting there and that is kind of the the angle that i'm looking at losing on this episode it's uh we only risk losing and experience losing when we take a chance when we try to do something that maybe is particularly difficult um that we make an effort to make change, make an effort to achieve and don't get there. And the fact that we don't get there when we try, uh, it's, it's part of the experience. It's part of actually getting there. Losing, losing is part of winning. I guess that's where I'm going with that. That uh, reminds me of a Jacob A. Reese quote. When nothing seems to help, I go and look at a stone cutter hammering away at his rock perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet, at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two, and I know it was not the last blow that did it, but all that had gone before. So losing's not a problem. Losing is just a step on the journey. And I found this article, which kind of made me feel some of those similar feelings. This article was uh, published at todayschristianwoman.com. Not a uh, source of news that I frequent, uh, but I thought it had some very, very good points. This is written by Austin Channing Brown. It was a moment that ruined me forever. I was sitting on a bus with fellow college students the first time my heart was moved to commit to seeking racial justice. Little did I know how much obeying this conviction would cost me. Since then, I've worked in foster care and homeless shelters, churches, and college campuses. It's a cause and a calling that follows me into every moment of my life. But I want to confess something. Doing this work is hard. Really hard. In fact, fighting for justice is the worst. It's not sexy or romantic. It's often quite gut-wrenching. So in an effort to be honest about this work, I decided to make a list of why you shouldn't fight for justice. One, it will exhaust you. Seeking justice in the world is a significant emotional investment. When we follow this call, we're deeply moved by the ways injustice affects real people, and we work extraordinarily hard to do what we can to make sure no one else has to face the same injustice again. 
This often requires working behind the scenes, unacknowledged, underappreciated, and overlooked. This kind of work is often done with little to no pay. The nice thing about a traditional 9-to-5 job is the clear understanding of when to stop and go home. But the world of justice is often so connected to who we are becoming that in order to survive, we've got to intentionally rest so we can separate ourselves from our causes. Number two, you'll never feel like you're doing enough. Societal issues are intricate, multi-layered, and far-reaching. When God calls us to make a difference, even if we manage to focus on just one issue, we can still feel like we're falling down a rabbit hole of complexities. With those complexities come more opportunities to act, to serve, to fight. I'm personally committed to writing and speaking about racial justice, but I often feel like I'm just not doing enough. There's a running list on my computer of all the other ways I should be participating in the work of justice. I should volunteer. I should organize. I should support existing organizations. And I should give money. No matter how much I do, I always feel like I should be doing so much more. Fighting for justice means that you're always exhausting yourself, but are still left feeling like it's not enough. That's a hard way to live. And I'll get back to the rest of these in a minute, in a few minutes. Um, but it's experiencing those struggles and experiencing those losses that, while they can be defeating, can also be fuel to moving forward. Here is Andy Payne from the Politics of Possibility album, this is history's greatest losers. We camped in that forest through the sun and the rain, building belief friendships and blockades on that terrible day when the machines rolled in i saw you turn away and cry but sly i knew we'd be back again we are history's greatest losers we are the ones who never learn they told us things could never change We kept trying anyway Given the chance to do it all over again On the street we put flyers into hands Didn't care We wrote brilliant manifestos That the masses never read we spent long and lonely hours in the cells and in the courts We worked our asses off so someone could yell at us Get a job! We are history's greatest losers We are the ones who never learn They told us things could never change We kept trying anyway Given the chance to do it all over again
social centre closed down the collective broke up Those comrades these days, I don't know where they are We dreamed of a world where everything had changed Woke up to surroundings and looked depressingly the same We are history's greatest losers We are the ones who never learn They told us things could never change We kept trying anyway Given the chance to do it all over again We're dispirited, sure Delusional, maybe but we're not defeated No, we're not defeated Cause we are History's greatest losers We are The ones who never learn They told us things could never change We kept trying anyway Given the chance we were all over again No, we have just not finished yet The history books are screaming from the shelves 
And Grace Petrie has a brand new album. That album is called Connectivity. And that track from that album was called The Losing Side. Towards the end, you may have heard in that chorus, there was a, a variety of voices in the background. Grace Petrie actually crowdsourced recordings, people singing along. If I squint my ears really hard, turn my head to the left a little bit, maybe I can make out my voice in that. So back to losing. Losses should be lessons. If we're fighting for the right things, if we're working and struggling for what is right, then when we don't achieve our goals, we should at least be able to find lessons and learn from those. Back to the article I was reading from earlier. Number three, you'll never be able to unlearn what you've learned. Ignorance is bliss, and the more we learn, the more our lives and relationships are disrupted. When our eyes are open to the injustices of the world, our lives begin to center on understanding how certain injustices have developed over time 
and how they are currently maintained. We watch special news reports and gather articles. Our Netflix accounts start suggesting programming that fit our newfound passion. Netflix once suggested for me critically acclaimed Fight the System movies, which still makes me laugh. We start having risky conversations with the people we love the most, our friends and our family, our congregation and pastor, and our co-workers and neighbors. We know they might not understand, but we are compelled by what we have learned. And sadly, we're often rejected, shouted down, and silenced. The Facebook friends we lose are nothing compared to the best friends, who don't call anymore, and the former mentors who are now distant from us. Some of us have been asked to leave our church or our small group. The risk is not to be underestimated. Number four, the hits will keep coming. Our commitment to justice keeps us attuned to how far we have yet to go. Our cultural awareness, heightened by our passion for a specific issue, reminds us of all the ways our work is still undone in this fallen world, and it hurts. As large statistics loom and the numbers become real people, we feel a constant sense of urgency. So we keep ourselves abreast of ineffective changes in laws and policies. We read nonfiction and watch documentaries, constantly opening ourselves to hearing more stories of injustice that we didn't know before. The news of another unjust situation reaches our inbox or newsfeed hours, sometimes days before others will even know the situation even occurred. Every sad development becomes a marker for us, a place of mourning, even as it stokes our passion for continuing our work. Number five, you'll hardly ever, quote, win. In the work of justice, wins are tough to come by and often difficult to define. It's critical to recognize those small victories. I love that International Justice Mission celebrates every single woman released from the web of human trafficking. I know of a homeless shelter in Chicago that posts a picture of keys on Facebook every time a former client moves into a new home. But moments like these don't happen multiple times a day. In fact, they often appear just as we're on the brink of giving up when hope seems unreachable. The few and far between victories are often a small but significant reminder that God is still working in the world, that hope can win. And if we don't try, and if we don't struggle, and if we don't lose, then we can't win. Because if we don't make the efforts to be successful, whether we have been successful or haven't, whether we achieve the result we want or whether we fail, then we will never get there if we don't take those chances. Here is Depeche Mode from the album Spirit. This is Fail.
failing in his world I don't mind failing in his world Don't mind wearing the ragged britches Cause those who succeed are the sons of bitches
the late, great Malvina Reynolds, who absolutely did not fail in this world. She left behind a body of powerful political music for the underdog, the unsung, the, the downtrodden, and for the struggle to make life better. That was from the album, Malvina Reynolds Sings the Truth. That'll wrap up our topic of the episode and bring us to a few words. Here are a few words from Utah Phillips. From the album, I've Gotta Know. What is a pacifist? When I got back from Korea, I was so tied down tight about what I'd seen and done I didn't know if I could ever live in the country again. I just rode the freight trains for a couple of years, drunk most of the time. I fetched up in the Roper Yards of the Denver Rio Grande and Western Railroad. I had come back to Salt Lake, my home. There was a house down by the Roper Yards called the Joe Hill House, started by Ammon Hennessy, one of the Catholic workers, one of Dorothy Day's people, the Catholic worker movement from the, the Great Depression. Ammon Hennessy, wiry little guy. I met him in his 69th year. Ammon was a Catholic, anarchist, pacifist, vegetarian, draft dodger in two world wars, tax refuser, one-man revolution in America. I think that about covers it. Right off, he said, you know, you love the country. You come into town with these beautiful songs about marvelous people and places you've been. You know you love the country. You just can't stand the government. Now get it straight. He quoted Mark Twain, loyalty to the country always, loyalty to the government when it deserves it. An essential distinction I had been neglecting. And then he had to deal with my violence, my capacity for violence. I, I was violent in a lot of different ways, a lot of violent emotions and a lot of violent behavior. But he had to deal with that with everybody in the house. And he never called the cops. He was an anarchist. He dealt with, with everything right there by himself. Besides which, if you're always calling the cops, nobody would use the place. He reached out and embraced that violence. He said, you've got to be a pacifist. I said, what's that? He said, well, I can't give you a book like about Gandhi. I can't give you a list of things, of principles, that if you sign it and subscribe to it, boom, you're a pacifist. He said it's kind of like being an alcoholic. Uh, eventually, if the booze isn't going to kill you, you got to be able to acknowledge you're an alcoholic and then sit in a circle of, of people that are like that and put your hand up in the air and say, my name is Bruce, I'm an alcoholic. And then to begin to deal with the alcoholic behavior, have it described to you and deal with it. And it's never going to change. You could be dry for 20 years and you're still going to be an alcoholic. But it's going to save your life. And you're all going to be fighting against that next drink every day of your life. So it's the same with a pacifist. You've got to be able to do the same thing. Put your hand in the air and say, I acknowledge my capacity for violence. And then you're going to deal with that violent behavior every minute, in every situation, every day for the rest of your life. But it'll save your life. So I said, okay, I'll try that. Ammon said, it's not enough. I said, oh. He said, you know, you were born a white man in mid-20th century industrial society. 
You came into the world armed to the teeth with an arsenal of weapons, the weapons of privilege, sexual privilege, racial privilege, economic privilege. You want to be a pacifist. It's not just giving up your hard, angry thoughts. It's not just giving up guns and knives and fists and clubs. You're going to have to give up the weapons of privilege and go forth into the world completely disarmed. That's hard. Ammon has been gone 20 years, and I'm still at it. But if there's a worthy struggle in my life, I, I suppose that's the one. Now, I'd always wanted to make a song for Ammon Hennessy. Not about him. I don't think he would have wanted one. But something mulched up out of his thought. An anarchist song. Ammon once told old Judge Ritter, so when he was taken to jail for uh, uh, picketing illegally, he did a lot of that. He never pled innocent or guilty. He pled anarchy. And Judge Ritter would say, hell, what's, what's an anarchist? And Ammon would say, in his quiet way, why an anarchist is anybody who doesn't need a cop to tell him what to do. Sort of a fundamentalist anarchist. Well, listening to him and watching him, I learned that anarchy is not a noun. It's an adjective. And it describes the tension between moral autonomy and political authority, especially in the area of combinations, whether they are to be voluntary or coercive. The most coercive combinations are those formed through force. But you see, force is the weapon of the weak. And that will bring us to our artist of the episode. The artist of this episode is Jess Silk. David Rovix recently had this to say, quote, I've just discovered an amazing songwriter from England who writes some of the catchiest folk punk songs about life on earth that I've ever heard. Her name is Jess Silk. Honored to be doing a gig with her in October in Birmingham. Check this shit out. And from Bandcamp, Jess Silk is a guitarist, singer, and songwriter from the black country. Her shouty but melodic brand of folk punk music often has her being likened to a female Frank Turner or Billy Bragg, and it gets people sitting up and listening, armed only with an increasingly sticker-covered acoustic guitar and a distinctive gravelly voice that many don't expect, just plays to audiences up and down the UK. Jess's newest album is called Blitz Spirit, and this first track is Sea to Shining Sea. There's a storm in the capital, the stage in a coup. Wind up your window, sir, because this one's on you. The fascists are flying now, they're flying the flag. Their very homes And they talk of freedom Like it's something they've lost It only happened last century But it seems they forgot You wanted a riot And they answered the call Now they're storming the capital And they're dressed for Sing 
They'll make America great again They'll cheer the land of the free While those that built it look on in shame From sea to shining sea They can see Lady Liberty
retraced your steps through burning streets Rubble falling at our feet Mothers cried and children screamed And bombs rained from the sky And as the artist took his knife All of his colours drained of life Rendered the scene in black and white Land, also from the album Blitz Spirit. Here's a little bit of an interview published at music2music2.com. Musicians around the world have been unable to apply their trade as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak, but it certainly hasn't put a stop to live music altogether. Webcams have been introducing us to the home lives of musicians, and on Saturday, April 11th, Jess Silk took part in an entire day of live music. All of it broadcast from musicians' homes via Facebook Live. The We Shall Overcome Isolation Festival, headlined by Billy Bragg and Grace Petrie, raised over 25,000 pounds for homeless people to provide food, cash, warm clothing, and toiletries for food banks, homeless outreach, soup kitchens, crisis centers, youth projects, and refugee support. Quote, I first got involved in We Shall Overcome in 2017 
when a couple of mates put on a weekend of gigs in Storebridge to raise money and collect donations for a local organization called Leslie's Care Packages for the Homeless, explains Jess. Since then, I've organized and played a load of WSO gigs around the country, including gigs organized by Joe Solo, Matt Hill, and Pete Yen, who were the masterminds behind the WSO Isolation Festival. I think that gig was a bit of a culture shock to everyone who was involved, not least for Joe, Matt, and Pete, who had to organize the bloody thing, she continues. The whole live streaming thing is new to a lot of us, I think, and as a gigging musician, you kind of get used to all the sound and lights and technological stuff being done for you. So it's been something quite different to have to worry about everything yourself. Everyone's making the best of what they've got equipment-wise, and while it can be a little rough around the edges sometimes, I think people have really taken it in their stride. There's a constant fear of your laptop blowing up or your internet failing or any number of things going wrong. But when you finally got the live stream working and you can see that icon in the corner of the screen telling you that people are actually watching you on this weird internet thing, it does bring a smile to your face. It doesn't compare to a real life gig, but it's nice to know that we're not quite as far apart as it seems. Ironically, just months after an election in which the British public failed to support a policy of investing in the health service, the true value of the NHS has never been more evident. Its essential life-saving work is praised far and wide, and the government's failure to provide frontline staff with sufficient resources is roundly condemned. So perhaps there is a reason to assume that British people will learn a valuable lesson from this crisis about what is really important to them. Just concedes that a lot of people will be anxious for life to return to normality as if the crisis never happened. But candidly, she hopes that it won't. Quote, Obviously, I can't wait to see all my family and friends again to be able to leave the house for more than an hour a day. But I think the virus and the way it's been dealt with has thrown certain things into sharp relief, she explains. For example, the chronic underfunding of the NHS was something it was easy for most people to ignore before all this. But the recent PPE shortages and the amount of public publicity doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals are currently getting, it's something at the forefront of everyone's minds at the moment. And I hope it stays there once the crisis has passed so we might be able to hold the government to account and actually do something about it. Here is one more track from Blitz Spirit. This is Flags and Banners. A friend of mine once asked, What's the point of us writing these words if we're not gonna try and change the world? It could be down to us when all is said and done, when every other avenue's been plugged and they won't. Let our flags unfurl And on that day We can't just stand by And let them get their way Come what may Our futures are defined By the actions that we take To grab your flags
they're not alone It could be down to us When all is said and done Cause everybody needs a song to sing To match the feeling in their bones And on that day We can't just stand by and let the powers get their way Come what may Our future is defined by the actions So we take to grab your flags Look at that. 
mission appears So I guess I'll just go it alone I don't believe that I can blame this on a supernatural entity that's sitting on a cloud So we're manipulating you and me We're all too capable of screwing it up on our own Well I'm taking walking on that pretty street I see a guy with a book and he's yelling at me And wrapping up our set of songs from Jess Silk. That was from the album If We're Damned. The track is Suggestions Welcome. Here is Matt Ward with the track Always Was. I grew up in England depressed Cause there's no sunshine One day a mate said down under It's nothing but good time I said I got fifteen hundred quid Cause my granddad I said let's split the cash and fly to the sunshine Always was and always will be Aboriginal land This land 
deserves better leaders I know it watches People lose Can look after it If you paid their dues Fibers Of its wild ways And all its moves White man Has picked a fight that Is gonna lose this episode of Polyrical. Remember, you can uh, check out Polyrical.com. You'll find all the back episodes there and those links to make a donation. You can make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. You can also follow on Twitter at Polyrical. And you can listen to Polyrical and my other podcast playing 24-7 at movingtrainradio.com. I briefly had a website called First Strike in which I had the vision that the first of every month we would strike, we being whomever uh, was interested in fighting the landlords, fighting the medical bills, fighting all kinds of things worthy of striking, fighting consumerism. Of course, I'm not an organizer. I'm just a voice here on a podcast. So uh, that never really got off the ground. The site Popular Resistance was looking or 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 uh, supporting similar actions. Um, I think if we start small and support the strikes out there that exist, maybe one day we can build enough momentum for a general strike. Here is Scott Free with the track we call on a general strike thanks for listening
consumer strike. We call on a consumer strike. A strike. Consumer strike. We call on call on a consumer strike. A strike. Consumer strike. We call on. We must stop and break this corporate control. United, we can save the planet and we'll save our soul. We call on a consumer strike. A strike. Consumer strike. We call on call on a consumer strike. A strike. Consumer strike. A national strike. We call on a national strike. A strike. A national strike. We call on call on a national strike. A strike. A national strike. We call. We must be given childcare, basic income, housing guarantee, universal healthcare, and end police brutality. We call on a national strike. A strike. A national strike. We call on call on a national strike. A strike. A national strike. A general strike. We call on a general strike. A strike. A general strike. We call on call on a general strike. A strike. A general strike. We call on call on. A general strike. A general strike.